seat. Glad you're here. Thanksgiving week. Give yourself a gold star for coming to church. Um, uh, hey, want to invite all of you, if you haven't heard, to build the house. By the way, my name is JD. I'm the pastor here. And tonight is what we like to call build the house dinner. And uh, we do these quarterly. Um, and what it is, is we just kind of take some time, look back at what God has done, and look forward into what God is calling us into. And so we are uh, very expectant for tonight as we've been spending time as leaders and elders praying into uh, what God has for us. And uh, my heart is filled with expectation uh, as we kind of lean into where we're going and what he has for us as a church. And I uh, want to encourage you to be there. There is free food. So um, at the very least, just come and have a meal on us and uh, we'll try not to bore you. I think it starts at 6. Is that right? Is anyone on my team here? No? Yeah? 6 o'clock? 6 o'clock. Okay. I'm not very good with details. Without my wife, I wouldn't even probably be here this morning. Um, Who knows? So we've been in a series of talks uh, over the past couple of weeks uh, that we have been calling Grow. And what we've been doing is walking through what we like to call is a rhythm for our lives here at Antioch that we've just labeled as the steps. And I know that you could probably all tell them to me, uh, but let's read them together. The steps are encounter, matter, time out. Let's read them together. Encounter, matter, belong, grow, and build. And, and really, these steps in our lives were birthed out of our desire to be a 2 Corinthians three eighteen people, which says that we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Our salvation gives us access to a relationship with the living God that leads to our lives being transformed into his image. And the steps are a rhythm, a rhythm, not the rhythm, but they are a rhythm of image transformation in our lives. And we say that they're a rhythm because it's not just about checking a box and saying that we have done them. It is about all of us living our lives with the end goal to reflect the glory of God, the power of God, life with God, the God who saved us, the almighty God who rescued us from our sin and death. And that happens when we daily not weekly, not monthly, but daily encounter the living God. When we are mattering by, by being plugged into his purposes for our lives, when we're knit into a family of believers where we belong, who can love us and support us and speak truth to us, and when we allow the root system of the kingdom to grow in us through studying the word of God and being obedient to the ways of God, and allowing Jesus to heal us and free us from junk that separates us from the peace of God. The steps are a rhythm for us that produce the good things of the kingdom in us. And uh, we, we so deeply believe in the importance of this rhythm being alive in our lives that we've spent a lot of time developing a resource for you called Grow. And that is a book that I wrote believe it or not, um, called Grow, where we take 
these steps and really lean into them. And the reason we made it into a book is because we want this to be a tool that you can come back to in your personal journey with God time and time again. Uh, because it's not, this is, you know, these things are not things that we achieve. They are things that should be alive in our Live. So here's the plug. If you come to the Build the House dinner, you get a free copy. All right. So um, actually, we're going to give them away. They're not for sale. They're all free. So you can, you know, just, uh, but we don't have them here this morning. We will have them there tonight, but then we'll have some for all of you guys uh, next week. But uh, we want these things to be accessible um, because our desire is not that we just pretend and play church, but we really see the kingdom of heaven advance in our city. Are you with me? You with me? Come on, church. You with me? All right, I'm fired up a little bit this morning. I'm just going to let you know. I came ready to preach. I almost even used the handheld mic to uh, really kind of just spark the old preacher in me, but I, I'm restraining myself with the little ear set. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a good time. All right, now here we go. May 27, 2010. Anybody tell me what happened on May 27, 2010? No one? Okay, I couldn't tell you either until I found out in Guatemala City, about 25 miles outside of the city, there was a massive volcanic eruption. It was so devastating that it filled the sky and covered the city with such a thick cloud of ash that all air travel was canceled because you couldn't fly into it or see your way through just this hovering dust cloud of ash because of the volcano. Then on May 30th, three short days later, May 30th, the tropical storm Agatha decided to slam into the coast of Guatemala with 45 mile an hour winds and it made its way inland and hovered over Guatemala City that is already blanketed in ash and just dumped sheets of rain for hours and hours and hours. And as it's just like, wow, can anything else go wrong, right? So then after this rain has just been plummeting the city for hours, there's a rumbling sound that sounds like another volcano is getting ready to erupt. But actually what was happening is in the middle of the city, a sinkhole was forming. There was 65 feet wide, 98 feet deep, and they heard this rumbling, and they rushed out to see what was going on, and literally hundreds of people saw a three-story factory disappear. Literally just zoom. All of a sudden, the building that was there, it looked great. People were working in it. Not this day, thankfully. People were working in this factory, and in the matter of seconds... It was completely gone and swallowed up by the earth. Here's why I tell you this. It's important that we are careful about what we are building on just as much as we're careful about what we are building. It's important that we are aware of what we are building on just as we are careful about what we are Building, hear me, this is, this is what I want you to see. Foundations matter. Foundations matter. And when the foundation isn't right, the building might be beautiful. 
It, it might be filled with beautiful things. It might look super sturdy on the outside. But if, if it's heavier on top than the strength that is in the foundation, it will not stand. This sinkhole happened because there was a convergent, a, a cocktail of hard things, if you will. There was this volcano that thrusted all of this ash into the air and over the city. And then it began to clog the rain runoff pipes as this rain kept dumping onto the city, flushing this ash into the sewer system and the runoff system, which had been neglected. They had not taken the time to make sure that their pipes were in good working order. And there actually were tons of cracks and, and holes in the pipes because of erosion and corrosion. And, and so all of a sudden, this, this already unstable foundation was being polluted by water and ash. You see, Guatemala is already famously unstable because it is the dirt is is filled with what they call uncemented stone loose dirt and so when that water was seeping in through the water pipes and the ashes were clogging pipes and bursting pipes the 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 foundation underneath the factory just could not hold the weight of what was on top it's not just that we have to be careful about what we're building. We have to be careful about where we're building. And then we have to live a life making sure we're maintaining the foundations of our heart. Because how many of you know that life will lead to corrosion and erosion in your foundation? Things, pain, people, difficulty, challenges will lead to disruptions, cracks, burst pipes, different things. And if we are not mindful of not just the foundation we're building on, but that we're taking care, we're, we're, we're leaning in to making sure that the cracks in our foundation are dealt with, we might find ourselves unstable. It's interesting to me that Jesus' first sermon in the earth is in Matthew 5. Matthew 5, it goes from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. So if you think that I'm long-winded, you know, I'm just trying to be better than Jesus. All right, so Matthew 5 to Matthew 7, Jesus' first sermon. And it's amazing picture of what life with God actually looks like. And I would encourage you, if you're new to faith or new to church, and you're like, man, what is this life with Jesus like? Man, read Matthew 5 through 7 because Jesus does an incredible job of painting a picture of what relationship should look like with the living God. And there's this theme that just keeps pumping its way through this sermon. And very simply, Jesus is making it clear that, that it matters what you build your life on. It matters what you build your life on. It matters how you see what's happening in your life. He opens with what's called the Beatitudes. You guys grew up in church. You heard about the Beatitudes, right? And this is the introduction of what is commonly called the upside-down kingdom. This is where Jesus is beginning to unpack for those who are listening to him that there's a way that the world sees things, and then there's a way that heaven views things. And he goes through this list, a rewiring, if you 
will, of us understanding what life with him is. He says things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who, persecu- who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Jesus is is rewiring us as he is calling us blessed in circumstances that don't feel like a blessing. Jesus is like, blessed are you when you are mourning because I'm going to comfort you there. Blessed are you who, when you're insulted and persecuted because there's something for you there. Because life with him, life with Jesus, does not stop at what we are facing, with the challenges that we are encountering. No, life with him is built on a foundation of who he is, not on what we see. Jesus, throughout his ministry on the earth, would often talk about the effects of bad foundations in our lives. He was constantly pushing towards the heart. Jesus would would always be after the motivation. He'd be after what drives us to do what we're doing, even more than he would be correcting what it is that we're doing. Jesus was after the heart, and we see this as we go on in Matthew 5, because what Jesus does in his first sermon is he exposes the weak foundations that are called religion. There's a very weak foundation, a cracked foundation, a foundation that's corrupted that cannot withstand the storms of the cocktail of culture and pain and difficulty. And this spirit of religion or this thing that Jesus attacked called religion is this. It is that it's what I do that gets me closer to God. It's how I behave. It's in my hands that are going to determine how God sees me, right? So it's my morality. It's my good works. It's, the, it's, it's my knowledge, my understanding. And, and the fruit of doing those things, the fruit of pursuing religion, right, we are told is, is health, wealth, and a carefree life. If you do these things and you act this way and you, you say these things and you're about this, then God will bless you. And then the blessing of God always looks like this. And Jesus spent almost his entire ministry on the earth engaging with the least of these and, and correcting the spirit of religion that had infiltrated and corrupted the belief system of the Jews. And Jesus, over and over again, would attack the religious of the day, and he would call them things like, you're a whitewashed tomb, meaning you look pretty on the outside, you got a pretty building, 
but there's death on the inside. Your foundation is soft. You didn't, you're not building on a solid foundation. Religion is just having a pretty house on a bad foundation. That's all it is. You can go to church all the time, say all the right things, have Bible verses in your bathroom. That does not mean, that does not mean that you know God. And Jesus is saying, hey, pay attention. Pay attention, pay attention to the the foundation of your life because religion will give you a false sense of security. Religion will give you a false sense of security. Your man-made morality will give you a false sense of security. And, And your human strength can only take you so far. And here's the deal. When the storm comes, when the volcano of culture erupts and the storm of chaos begins to blow, if we are not standing on the rock of who Jesus is, we will not be able to stand. Real talk, over the past couple of years, we've seen this. We've been in what I like to call a cocktail of difficulty, right? You've got so much pain, disappointment, and confusion in the earth for a number of different reasons, a pandemic, economic freefall, cultural upheaval, violence, and just add in your personal experience of pain and disappointment and loss. And, and what has happened over the past few years is it's exposed in all of us where there's sand in our foundation. It's revealed to us where there's soft spots in the foundation of our faith. And look, what I'm, what I'm saying here is sobering. And, and I weep over this because I have had friends that it seemed like their faith was, was all of the sudden swallowed up like a sinkhole. And I think if we, if we, we went around the room, I'm sure almost every single one of you knows somebody who has either left the church and sometimes even left the faith over the past three years. And I'm not just talking about left our church. I'm talking about left the church. The big C church. The, the, the loss has felt sudden. It's felt disruptive. People that we all knew leaving church because of pain, because of politics, because of people. I'm talking about people that had pretty houses, man. They did the stuff. They showed up. They were involved in life groups, served on a serve team. They had pretty houses. They they did all of the quote-unquote right things to do. And if you looked at their lives, we all would have judged and said, hey, it looks like they're doing pretty well. It looks like things are going in the right direction. But then like in an instant, all of the history that they had with God, all that they had been building into their relationship with God was swallowed up in a second when the tropical storm level of pain hit mixed with the volcanic explosion of culture at the same time. And it's like their whole faith was swallowed up in a sinkhole once it was there and now it is gone and people saying things like you know what I don't do church anymore because I was misunderstood I don't do church anymore because I, I, I they didn't see me for who I really am 
I don't do church anymore because they didn't accept me for who I was, and I was hurt because of not. And hear me, it's not that they're not, they're not doing that church. They're not doing any church. Let me tell you something you already knew. People, church is filled with people. People are jacked up, myself included. Right? We're all hurt. And hurt people hurt people. In, in wild ways. It's amazing how we can inflict so much pain on each other. Look, I've done things and said things over the past 18 years of being a pastor that I wish I could take back. 100%, man. Just said things I wish I wouldn't have said, been a part of things I wish I wasn't a part of. People got hurt. People got misunderstood. I hate it. But I've also been hurt too. The church has hurt me too. And hear me, I want to make a bad illustration, but just roll with me. You know what I've also had over the past three years? I got food poisoning. And I didn't give up on food though. I got food poisoning because the food I was given at a restaurant, the person neglected doing it right. And their neglect led to my pain. Look, I, 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 look, the pain that a lot of you have experienced has been very, very real. And it's because people have neglected their own personal walk with God and their flesh got mixed up at times with their authority and bad things happened. Horrible things were said. Unthinkable things were done. But you know what? That's always been the case in the church though. If I'm just being honest, like this is not new. Since the beginning of the church, people have been idiots. There's been infighting within leaders. There's been divisions because of belief systems. But it seems like we're in a unique season of implosion. It's like this accelerated rate of sinkholes happening in people's lives and I've just been thinking about it. I'm like, okay, God, all of these things that, have, that are kind of happening right now have always been going on. People have always been people. People have always made mistakes. Leaders have always fallen. <laughs> you know, horrible things have always been said. You read the Bible, man, they went through some crazy bananas division in the church in the book of Acts. I mean, we're talking about a couple of years into this thing and people are like, we're going over here, we're going over here. But what makes this unique? Why, why does it feel like there's been this increase of sinkholes popping up all over the place? And, and here's, here's my thought on it. I, I think this is happening in this move, and maybe you've heard of it. It's just this idea of deconstruction, right? Like breaking down our faith journey in light of our pain and disappointment. And it just seems to be, it's like trendy now. It's, it's like the thing to do. And I've just been thinking like, why does it seem like this is happening at an unprecedented rate? 
And again, this is like not hypothetical stories. I could stand up here and, and tell you personal stories. My friends who I know and who, that I've walked with and I've, I've done life with, it was like in an instant, it was as if nothing that they had experienced in the previous 40 years of their life mattered because they just, boom, a sinkhole and it was gone. And here's, here's what I think is going on. We, we have been in a, in, a, in, in a few years of sinkhole conditions in culture. Just like in Guatemala City, there were things that converged at just the right time in just the right way that caused a very unique destruction. And we've been living in some sinkhole conditions in life and in culture, and there's been a lot of clashing, and, ex- and what has been happening has been exposing some uncemented foundations that are in all of us. And what it's shown us is if we're not building our life on Jesus and Jesus alone, our house will get swallowed up. If we're not building on Jesus and Jesus alone, hear me, if we are building our life on a Christian leader and not Jesus, it's not going to stand. If you can quote a preacher more than you can quote the Bible, it's not going to stand. If you rely on the momentum of your church and not the personal fire that you have with God, it's not going to stand. If you're more excited about what your church is doing versus what you are experiencing with your relationship with God, it's not going to stand. If you live in what I like to call proximity righteousness, which means you like to stay close to people who know God so that you feel like you know God, it's not going to stand. If you built your relationship with God on routine and not connection, it is not going to stand. In the fierce climate of culture today, in the cocktail of pain, confusion, and disappointment, it's no surprise that there's sinkholes popping up all over the place. Jesus' first sermon on the earth ended He ended it by telling us that this was going to happen. He knew us so well that he ends his first sermon on the earth by addressing very clearly this idea of building our life on sand and not a rock. And he didn't just warn us about it. He actually told us how we can avoid it. Avoid it. Matthew 7 verse 24 says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the, the rock. The rain came, the stream rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the wind blew. The same cultural elements happened. And beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. It isn't just about hearing. It isn't just about, oh, I heard it. It's about putting the words of Jesus to practice. And I know some of you are like, practice? We talking about practice? Now, if you don't know that reference, 
I'm so sorry, one of the funniest things that's ever happened in modern day sports, okay? Look it up, Allen Iverson, hilarious interview. But here's the thing. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. We become a people that read the Bible and do what it says. It's not hard. We don't, do the, we don't read the Bible and do what cultural Christianity says. You hearing what I'm saying? We read the Bible and do what it says. We, don't, we, we hear the words, we read the words, we contemplate the word of God, and then we put it into practice. James 1, verse 22 says it this way, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Don't just think that you can have proximity righteousness. Don't think just because you showed up to something, now you're cool. No, 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 no. Don't just listen to the word so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at a face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever intentionally, or I'm sorry, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Let me put it to you this way. The word of God, what it does when we look intently at it and we commit to doing it every single day, God uses his word to expose sand in our foundation. And Jesus exposes sand in our foundation, not to shame us, but to bring restoration to us. Ooh. I wish you heard what I was saying. Because we think that if we read something and it disagrees in our flesh, oh no, either I'm right or God's right. And we begin to get insecure and at times combative because of the belief system that we've built in culture. But the mirror of the word of God is unmovable. And those things that pop up in us that resisted it, God is not showing that. So he's like, see, you're evil and jacked up. He's showing it to us in his mercy so that he can restore us and make us into his image. Remember, the whole goal is that we would contemplate him, that we would look to him with unveiled faces, that we would look at the glory of God and be transformed into his likeness. God reveals sand in our foundation, not to shame us, but to restore us. To bring healing and strength to us. And this is why almost the whole sermon that Jesus preached in Matthew 5 points at foundation crack motion or foundation crack situations in our lives. He, he says this in Matthew 5 21. If you have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus is like, look, undealt with anger in your foundation, undealt with anger is a crack in your foundation. And if we don't deal with it, it has a catastrophic end. The the, the same judgment 
Jesus is like, look, don't think that you're good because you haven't killed anybody. Cool, thou shalt not kill. Cool, got that one, one in the bag. Okay, cool. You know, I got a lot of problems, but that's not one of my problems. I'm not a murderer. I haven't killed anybody. I'm cool. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. It's not just the law. It's the breath of the law. He's like, deal with the foundation crack that leads to that behavior. Undealt with anger will kill you. Undealt with anger will corrupt the foundation of your faith. Undealt with anger will lead to a sinkhole moment in your faith and in your life with God because it's a crack in the foundation. It's not like, oh, cool, my foundation's good because I haven't killed anybody. No, is there anger in your heart? Because if there's undealt with anger in your heart, then there's danger coming. There's danger coming. And so what we do is we have to just bring our anger to the Lord. And we're like, God, I don't know how to deal with this, but I, have to, I need to give this to you because I don't want to carry it around because I don't want sand in my foundation. Because when the wind blows and the rain falls and the floodwaters rise, I want to be able to stand. I don't want my faith to drop into a sinkhole. He goes on and he's like, look, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then Jesus goes like nuclear. He's like, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. It's extreme. And then he's like, It's better for you to lose one part of your body than lose your whole body. You're like, wow, that's enough. Jesus is like, no, let's turn it up. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body going into hell. Jesus is admonishing us to take what we see and where we let our mind go very seriously. Because lust is a foundation crack and undealt with will lead to destruction. It will kill you. It will kill people around you. And look, it, look, Jesus' recommendations are extreme. And I think it's because we need to understand that then our actions need to be extreme as well when it comes to this one. It's not just don't commit adultery. Jesus is like, don't even get around sensuality. We sometimes read this, we're like, all right, cool, don't look at porn. Like, yeah, don't look at porn. Porn's horrible. Secular culture now is in agreement. Porn is messing people up. But what we do is just like, cool, I, I don't watch porn, but I do watch Game of Thrones. Because technically it's not porn. And Jesus is like, be careful, that's a crack in your foundation. That's a crack. That's some sand. And that sand in your foundation could lead to a catastrophic end. It's not just about not doing this. It's about staying away from the spirit of it. And saying, I, I want to have clean hands and a pure heart. I don't want to live in the gray because the Bible didn't say don't watch this particular show. No, no, no. I want to live full hearted towards the living God being transformed into his image. I want to build my life on the rock 
of real relationship with him. Foundations matter. Foundations matter. I want to end with this. The book of Revelation, and I know sometimes we read the book of Revelation, it can be a little scary. You're like, wow, I don't understand anything of what's happening here. The book of Revelation was these visions, these prophetic visions that the disciple John got from heaven, from the living God, that then he wrote down. And the book of Revelation actually opens with these letters from heaven to seven specific churches that were on the earth. And in Revelation 2, we get this first letter to one of these seven churches, and it was the church in Ephesus. Some of you guys know this, like I was just in Rome, and Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus in a prison in Rome, and I got to see that prison. It's crazy, dude. Like to hear about how wild Roman culture was and to think that Paul walked in and started preaching the gospel and literally the gospel of Jesus turned a culture on its head. It's amazing to walk into a place that Paul literally preached and stand on the same floor that he stood on. It's just like, whoa. And you just get like just this sense of like, man, God is real and God is moving. And then you read about the church in Ephesus and it was amazing, man. The church in Ephesus was a rat church. They did so many things right. But listen to Jesus' words to them. Revelation 2 says, To the angel of of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. What that means is that's book of Revelation's words for this is Jesus talking. Jesus talking. Jesus says to them, I know your deeds. I know your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You've persevered, you've endured hardship for my namesake and and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Now listen to this. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Jesus is saying, guys, you have built a really pretty house. You've built a really great house. You've done a lot of great things. You're even living in the right way, but you've neglected your foundation. You've neglected your foundation, and that is you've neglected that your foundation is a commitment to love me more than you love anything or anyone else. Church, the foundation matters. What we build on matters. What what we build must be rooted in love and built on our love for Jesus. Look and hear me. Yes, we want to see God fill this room and rooms all over the city with people who are encountering the living God in a powerful way and are transformed 
by his grace. Yes, we want to see God establish here in Austin a hub of glory and power that would be a beacon of hope and life in these dark days. Yes, we want to be a church that makes disciples and is is a place of training and equipping for all believers. And yes, we want to see God turn our church into not just a landing place, but a sending place where we go and we say, you know what, God, do something in me that's going to touch the four corners of the earth. But none of that matters if our foundation is sandy and not rocky. None of it matters. Jesus said to the church in Ephesus, he said, look, repent, because if you don't, I'm going to remove the lampstand from its place. You know what that means? It means literally translation, I'm going to close your church and kill your pastor. It's a little uncomfortable. But Jesus is saying, look, look, you don't understand. This is everything. This is everything. We're building our lives in this church together on and in the love of the living God and the foundation of what we want to see God build will only stand and will only last not for 10 years not for a hundred years but until Jesus comes back it will only stand if we are a people that want to see God that want to contemplate him and be transformed into his image yeah we want to build God a beautiful place but we want it to be on a beautiful foundation and that's all of us saying you know what God deal with the sand that is in me so that when tough times come when challenges come when storms emerge and the wind begins to blow my faith is not compromised because I'm on a rock doesn't make it easy. The wind's going to be blowing hard. The rain's going to try to drown us. The floodwaters are going to be nipping at our chins and under our noses, but we're built on a rock, a rock, a solid place, not a soft place. And so we can endure. We can be resilient. We can stand, as the book of Ephesians says. We can stand our ground because we have built our life not on routine and ritual. We have built our life on relationship with the living God. Amen? Do me a favor, stand to your feet. Here's how we're going to respond. If, if, you're, if you're here today, and just like me, as I was preparing this, it's like, man, just like becoming aware of some of the sandy places. Maybe some of the unmaintenanced areas of your heart. Pain, life, difficulty, challenges, disagreements have created some erosion and corrosion in the foundation of your faith. And it's, it's not rocky yet, but it's like getting a little shifty. And you're like, man, I don't know what to do. What you do is you come to the living God and you say, Jesus, here I am. I want you to remove the sand that is in my foundation. And I want you to fill it with the rock of the truth of my salvation. So if you need to do business with God, we begin to worship, I want you to make your way up to the front because God is here to meet you. The Holy Spirit's here to restore you. Let's pray, Jesus, thank you for your presence.
Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your mercy. And Lord, I'm asking right now that you would overwhelm all of us with a sense of your unbelievable love for us. God, that it was while we were still sinners that you died for us, Lord, that you, you meet us in our place of lack to give us what you called us to have. So Lord, right now I'm asking, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in our hearts, through our hands. Lord, we want to build our lives on the rock of our salvation and the truth of who you are. Let's worship and respond.